Amen. Good morning. You know, it's always cool to do communion on Easter (laughs) because it's something we do every week to remember the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But obviously today is a special day to do that. You know, and we just sang a great song. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. And when you sang that, do you believe that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, as the song says? Do you believe he's living in the church, as the song says? Do you believe that he's coming back to claim his own? If you believe all those things, I would say you do because it all follows the first line of that song, Jesus is risen from the dead. If you believe Jesus is risen from the dead, you can believe all those other things, right? He's Lord of heaven and earth, right? He's coming back. He's living in His church. You know, there was a point in my life when I realized that I had a policy that I didn't know I had. And the policy I discovered was if someone has conquered death itself... I'm going to listen to that person. I decided if someone has conquered death itself, I will believe anything that person says from that point forward. You know, I had an interesting conversation with a good friend of mine, colleague, a number of years ago. We were walking a parking lot after a day at work, and um, we started talking about Jesus. I don't remember how we got onto it. But, and he wasn't someone who necessarily I knew to be a believer or had any faith whatsoever, but as we started talking and he actually said, you know, I do believe Jesus resurrected from the dead. I said, wow, that's, that's cool. I didn't know you believed that. And I said, well, so do you follow Jesus? And he was like, no, no interested in, no interest in following Jesus. And I thought to myself, Man, that seems illogical. It just does. If someone has the power over life and death, wouldn't that be someone you'd want to follow, get to know a little bit? Yeah. Yet just as I was indicting him in my mind, actually maybe it was a little later, but later upon reflection I realized, you know, I did that for years. Yeah. I believe Jesus raised from the dead. I really believed that. My parents were amazing, they were very faithful, and I, I had that belief, I believed the Bible, but I didn't live in a way that re- reflected that I believed that someone actually raised from the dead. And I didn't make Him Lord of my life. Yet the more I evaluated that, I was able to evaluate that from a logical standpoint in someone else, but it was harder to self-reflect, you know? But... Once I figured out, hey, wow, I really do believe that, it made it easier to make Jesus Lord, right? Because I believe that. And you know, you may not feel it. You, you may have that policy right now that you would believe anything someone who raised from the dead said. You may feel like you have that right now, or you may not. But what's interesting is, Most people who are truly confronted by the resurrection adopt that policy. And I'll give you an example. Someone named Saul in the Bible adopted that policy very quickly. In Acts 9, 
in verse uh, 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was an enemy of Christianity. He was tracking people down, city to city. Anyone who believed in Jesus, he believed it was a heresy. He believed it was blasphemous. And he killed people who believed that. And then it goes on. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I love that. Saul, in one sentence, went from persecutor to a believer. That's Lord right there. I don't even know exactly, but I know it's Lord. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And... You know the rest of the story, Saul Saul got up and never returned to the city and just kept living life the way he did. That's not true. (laughs) What happened to Saul? Saul immediately did what he was told to do. He was blinded and a few days later he was baptized and he spent the rest of his life as not a persecutor but as a proselytizer for Jesus. That's what happens when you get confronted by the resurrection. It changed Paul instantly to the point that every single thing from that moment on in Saul's life revolved around the cross and the resurrection. Everything. In fact, Paul went on to say and write to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians verse 15. He wrote to the church in verse 12. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those, who also, those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Paul said, from that moment on, Paul lived his whole life based on the resurrection of Jesus. And he, said, he says to us today, if Jesus didn't re- resurrect... We're sad. We're misguided carnival barkers of false hope, essentially. We, We should be pitied. Because Jesus was a liar then, Paul was a liar, all the disciples were liars, and not only that, they gave their lives for a lie. They gave their lives for a lie, and we propagate this lie today. Yet we take communion together this morning... Because we do believe in the resurrection. Amen. We do believe in this historical moment of the resurrection. We believe what Jesus said in John 10, verse 18. Jesus is speaking of his life and he says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own 
accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. No one else in the history of the world has had authority to take up their own lives again. That has never happened. We all have the agency to lay down our own lives for what we choose. But none of us has the ability to take it up again. It's what makes Jesus amazing. It's why we celebrate the resurrection. It's why we follow Jesus. And as I close out, I started to, I started to take an inventory of how the resurrection has impacted my life. How it's changed me. Once I decided that I need to follow the person who took up his own life again for me. That I truly believe that someone physically died and resurrected three days later. And I took a little inventory. I think hopefully many of you will be able to relate to this. Here's what the resurrection has impacted in my life. How I spend my time. How I spend my money. Who I married. How I raised my kids. How I think. What I think about. What I dwell on and what I let go. It impacts what I do when no one is watching. It impacts my openness about what I do when no one is watching. It impacts who I spend my time with and how I spend my time with them. It impacts where I live and where I will live. It impacts my concept of hope, my concept of peace, my concept of hardship, my concept of joy, my view of my past and my future, the world's past and the world's future. It impacts my definition of sin and how I respond when I sin and when others sin. It impacts my concept of grace, redemption, forgiveness, repentance, worship, righteousness, mercy, justice, justification, holiness, faith, and faithfulness. It impacts my self-esteem. It impacts our car's odometers and their resale value. (laughs) We drive a lot for Jesus. It impacts what I say, what I don't say, what I say when I've said something I shouldn't have said. It's changed what I celebrate as well as how I celebrate. It's caused me to embrace paradoxes like I must die to myself in order to live. I've got to give up everything in order to get anything of value. I've got to love God more than others in order to love others more. It's impacted what I think of what is temporary and what is permanent. It's impacted how I think of what power is, what strength is, what brokenness is, what humility is, what poor is, and what rich is. And it's impacted how I feel, how I think of what matters and what doesn't matter. And ultimately, it just impacts how I live, and it will impact how I die. And I think the most important thing that the resurrection teaches us all is it shows us what love is. Amen? The fact that Jesus paid the full price for my sin and then he conquered death for me means I no longer have to live in fear of death or the punishment that I so richly deserve for all my sin. Why did Jesus do it? Because he loves us. He wanted to show us the full extent of God's love. And that's amazing. That's spectacular. 
And as we take communion this morning, let's reflect on what the resurrection really means to you. How has it impacted you personally? How has it changed you? Let's pray.